Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, travel, and entertainment. You can also catch us online at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, where we have a collection of our game reviews for 12 papers and 20 markets. Each week, I'm on BGA Shea's Geek Nation on KISWFM. And, of course, we have our quarterly magazine. And I'm joined, as always, with uh, Justin and Michael. And we've got a really uh, quick-moving, but going to cover a lot of grounds, uh, show tonight. And the main thing is that as we're recording this, PAX East is going on, and that's definitely going to be a topic uh, for us. We've had a full day of coverage of that. A lot of news has come in. And I am getting ready to head off to CinemaCon uh, next week. And so a lot of stuff to finish up on the last business day of the week before doing that. So we're going to jump right in and we are going to uh, mention PAX East, which is going on right now in Boston, going through the weekend. And as we've discussed before, uh, a lot of fans eager to get back into the show. There are... Um, obviously vendors and such there but once again we're not seeing the large uh companies there's no sony there's no nintendo there's no microsoft there is no bethesda there is no warner brothers there's no capcom there is no square enix yes you are seeing companies like gearbox who came out and did a pretty big presentation uh but mainly you're seeing a lot of the smaller indie companies like tiny build and such uh putting on their games i've had people tell me they were surprised it wasn't as busy as it was they um you know they expect that to change over the weekend uh but a lot of people have sent me pictures and said you know this area used to be absolutely filled with vendors and all kinds of things and it's just a lot of empty space so uh we'll start off with justin you've been to pax east what do you make of this yeah kind of like what we talked about before you know it doesn't surprised me a whole lot just because of this is kind of the trajectory PAX East has been going for a long time um, and this is sort of a growing trend that um, you know I think PAX East uh, back when I went the couple times that I went it was kind of like lightning in a bottle it was just the right place at the right time um, you know I think uh, at the time a lot of companies could utilize uh, PAX as a in-between point between like E3 and uh, some other shows, so I think some of the bigger companies saw it as an opportunity to kind of show some stuff off uh, while the news cycle was down a little bit. Um, you know, now that the landscape is a little bit different, and honestly, this is probably a little closer to what the Penny Arcade um, guys were kind of more, uh, you know, pitching for what PAX is supposed to be, which is more of like an indie kind of uh, event, you know, show off some indie titles uh some indie developers uh, and honestly a little bit more based on like uh, tabletop gaming and uh you know rpgs and things like that so uh i think this is kind of um you know sort of getting back to what pax i think is supposed to be for them uh i think you know it, it was uh very fortunate that uh you know back when i went it was uh i got got to see a lot of really cool stuff but um you know uh, now I think it's uh, it's just a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I think also uh, the pandemic also uh, plays a part in this too. You know, I think 
we're not quite at the point where everything is returned 100% to normal. Um, I think a lot of companies are still a little apprehensive to come back to large conventions. Um, not just that, but uh, um, they might not have a lot to, sh to show right now just because uh, there's been a lot of delays. You know, you look at the landscape of what's supposed to be coming out this year and um, it seems like it's uh, maybe a little bit light um, on stuff that, you know, you would show off a pack. So uh, kind of like what we talked about earlier, it doesn't surprise me too much, um, but uh, it's pr probably certainly enjoyable for, for the folks who are there, get to see, uh, get to get together with uh, a lot of like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely right. And so, uh, Michael, what is your take? Yeah, and I agree. I mean, there's, I think there are a couple of things coming into play here. Um, obviously, I think the pandemic is still at a point where it, it, it's hard to plan these things. We've kind of talked about how these shows just don't come together over a week or, or a month or a couple of months, right? Um, we've talked about other shows, even ones that aren't. I mean, we know E3 takes over a year to plan, but at the same time, um, packs and other things like that still requires quite a bit of investment from the companies that are not local or at least regionally in that area. Um, to be able to really put on, on a good show. So I think there's still some hesitancy there about the cost. I mean, the pandemic had a lot of effects, not just for people being able to attend shows, but for the bottom line, a lot of these companies, there were a lot of things that had to change, um, a lot of things that they're still managing to handle, obviously delays with game releases, um, adjusting to a new work, work you know, you know, people working remotely, it's particularly in the development front, that can be a difficult thing to do. Um, there's also been a huge, obviously lots of shakeups recently with acquisitions. I mean, obviously with Microsoft, you know, acquiring Activision, Blizzard, um, even Sony at getting, um, you know, with, with all these, you know, any of these with Bungie and everything, all of these things tend to shake up the industry. And I don't think the dust has settled on any of that yet. Um, which makes planning for these types of things even more difficult than it would be normally. Um, to Justin's point, I do think that the Penny Arcade um, folks initially, had, this had been planned not to be an E3 replacement, and I think it just happened to be that some of the um, big names wanted to get their foot in the door when, when the shows were announced. But I see a lot of that changing. I think um, we've seen this in the past couple of years, even before the pandemic, when Nintendo... Um, going more hands-off and being more of a, a virtual show. Uh, Sony doing the exact same thing a couple of years ago. Uh, Microsoft, I think, has to reassess where they're at with Bethesda, um, as well as uh, Activision Blizzard now, and, and identify, you know, do they want to do uh, an E3 presence, an Activision, uh, or, or a, like an um, Activision-type presence? Do they want to do QuakeCon? Do they want to do all these different shows? Do they want to consolidate into one show that kind of showcases all of their IP? Um, would that be an E3 thing, or would that be something else completely? Um, I don't know. But I, I think there are a lot of factors right now. I think there's way too much um, churn in the industry right now with, again, so many things going on, with acquisitions going on, with companies still trying to maneuver through the pandemic. I'm not understanding what the, um, the viability is for spending a lot of money. Because, again, these shows cost a lot of money to put on too um for them particularly if they're if it's a regional thing if they're not going to see the return on investment which ultimately is the bottom line for a lot of these big triple a companies they're not going to invest the money in doing that they have other means to do that whereas a lot of these indie folks don't they don't have a, a budget for 
um, PR stuff, or if they do have a budget, it's very limited. They don't have the reach that, say, a, a AAA company like Microsoft or Sony or, or Ubisoft or any of those people have. So they, they, they take this time to showcase their stuff. Now, is that going to drive the huge crowds that maybe a Sony or Microsoft would? No, but at the same time, I don't know if that's what they need. I think getting positive buzz out for the indie titles um, and then having them get have an opportunity to shine and not be outshone by the AAA companies might be a better thing for PAX as a as a show and for the indie group as a whole um, and leave the, the, the bigger shows, whether that be an E3 or QuakeCon or, or something else entirely, leave those shows to those who are the, the big AAA titles to show that off and kind of allow the, the little guys and the, the five people indie shops to really shine with the products that they have coming out. So again, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing or not. Um, I, again, it, it'll just be kind of interesting to see as, as we kind of move forward into this new world with the pandemic, you know, is this something that we see going forward or do we see things return to a somewhat um, large, large-ish crowd for some of these shows? I don't think we're there yet, but I don't know. Uh, I think the next two years will probably give us a better idea of where we're going to be. And it's such an awkward question to answer because you can look at it and say, where was Warner Brothers pushing Lego Star Wars? But at the same time, they could say, well, we sold 3.5 million units already. Do we really need to be out there pushing it? Um, you know, you can say, well, okay, that makes sense. But what about this company? You mentioned Bethesda. They've already come out and said QuakeCon's going to be digital this year. We're not. They're not going to be doing a live show in Dallas. Um, I've had more than a couple companies that I've approached about, hey, what are we considering me to promote at FanFusion? And during our gaming panel, and they basically said, you know, at this point, we really don't know because without E3, we don't have that deadline of saying you've got to have something ready to show in June. And all these companies are sitting there, and it's that, like you said, it's the, are we going to take part in the Summer Games Fest and give them a trailer? Are we going to make an announcement there? Are we going to do it on our own? Are we going to go to PAX West? Are we going to Gamescom? Are we going to go to the Tokyo Game Show? Or are we just going to sit back and do our own thing and see what happens? And that's such a crazy thing because you don't know. You look at these conventions and you say, are these companies going there basically the ones saying, hey, we really need this and we need the exposure, whereas the big boys are saying, we don't need the exposure, we can generate the ad buzz on ourselves, or is it a case that certain companies, I know one who has a film and a game division, they had been very adamant about their policy was that they would not be taking part in any live conventions, uh, but then they recently came off and had one division of their film unit appear at a major convention. Uh, so, you know, back and forth. I mean, I sit here and I look at it and I go, I'm, I'm curious about San Diego Comic-Con. We saw a considerable ramp up of studio presence at WonderCon compo compared to where they were for Comic-Con Special Edition in November. But, you know, I've had people saying, to expect it to be all the way back next July might be a bit much, but it will probably be significantly more than we've seen. And I'm, and you know, when they look at it by the online uh, Comic Cons they've had, you might see even more of the major studios. Because you remember we've talked about the film 
side of it was a little light the last couple of years. Um, you know, and that leads us to our next discussion. We have CinemaCon next week, and we already know that Top Gun Maverick is going to be shown. There is a suspense film going to be shown. I am going to be there on Monday for Sony and uh, going around the room and just my schedule won't allow me to do the extended time. But uh, we do have Mark and the crew uh, covering the other days of it. And then right off the bat, uh, something I was expecting to see at CinemaCon in the new in the form of the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, they've already announced it's being pushed back. Now, doesn't mean we still won't see or hear something of it. But it does make you wonder. So, Michael, you start us off with this. What are you? What are you thinking? All right. Well, I know, like you said, they're going to be showing Top Gun. They're going to be showing Black Phone, um, which are both really um, good. We we were last year when we went, or last August, I guess the technically wasn't last year. I mean, it was, but it wasn't a year ago. Um, in August, we got to see the first twenty minutes of Top Gun. Fantastic film. I'm very excited to. To, see, to get get the chance to review it or see it at least when it comes to theaters, um, but yeah, the thing about CinemaCon and I think I think this year is going to be so. It, when we went in August, um, again, it wasn't quite a year ago. It was kind of they didn't want to put it off until this April to wait an entire another year without it. So they did have the August show, which was pretty much a full blown event minus the stars that typically show up. Now. Um, and again, when we were there, we did get to see Ghostbusters at the time. We got to see Clifford the Big Red Dog at the time. Uh, I thought there was one other. Uh, oh, Shang-Chi. We got to see Shang-Chi before it came out, too. So um, they did. They were very heavy focused on the movies because there were no stars there. Um, it does appear that they're they're going to have a couple showing this time. I would, I, I'm almost I, just like PAX, just like E3, just like... Um, I think even SDCC and Fan Fusion, Phoenix Fan Fusion, to some degree as well. I think we're not at a point yet where we're going to see shows back in their full glory. Now, I think I think next year will probably be the first year that we're actually back to a more normal. You know, assuming things don't get terribly worse throughout the world um, than they have been. I think every year we've talked about. 2020 was was going to be a good year, and it was terrible, and 2021 was going to be better, and it wasn't. 2022, so on and so forth. So I, I don't want to even speculate on 2023 at this point. Um, but at the same time, there are always surprises there. That is, I think, one of the things that CinemaCon still continues to do, where E3 and, and other um, video game-type conventions fail, is they tend to have a lot more surprises and are able to keep things closer to their chest, which is kind of interesting because... Um, we always we, they always talk about all the tricks that have gone on in the past, like you know they, they I think one of the the things about Return of the Jedi when they were filming it in Yuma was they were saying it wasn't you know a Star Wars film it was some other horror film they were filming um, other stuff like that. So the the movie industry for decades uh, generations has been pretty good at, at hiding what they're doing, keeping things fairly close to their chest. Um, so I, I don't know that the Spider Verse thing is going to be that big of a deal. Um, again, I don't know. I don't know the reasons for pushing it back. I don't know that we've been are really aware of why. I don't know if that's because of a, 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 a concern of something else that's being released around that time theatrically. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with um, uh, rewrites or anything like that from the animated perspective. I think that'd be a lot quicker thing to do. Um, uh, but I, since I don't really know the reasons, however, um, that's just one of the shows and there, there will be many, many others that they'll introduce. 
Now, the real question will be, are the Stars back this year? I don't know if we're going to be there yet. Um, again, it's, they tend to, they tend to uh, give the gifts of movies um, when they don't have other people taking up the time, um, which, again, is one of the bigger draws of CinemaCon is getting to see all the stars and, and listen to them uh, share their stories and that sort of thing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, what, what this year is like. Again, I'm not expecting us to be back back to full at all i think we will be back to um maybe a more normal hopefully in 2023 but at the same time i think it'll still be a good show regardless it always is every year yeah and it'll be interesting because actually i do have a bit of an update on it we had something today saying that uh the honorees for the big screen achievement award will include robert de niro comedian billy eichner uh rising star abby Ryder fortson star of tomorrow glenn powell and star of the year zoe saldana and i believe uh, they do have on the schedule the award show on the last night, so I'm hoping we'll see that. And it's, yeah, it's, that, yeah, that would be really cool. Robert De Niro in particular, I think, of that list would be um, – he'd be one that I hadn't seen that I think would be an epic opportunity to see. So that's good news. It's interesting because they're saying we'll attract upward of 6,000 professionals. And while that's a lot of people, it is going to be interesting to be in a more select thing where, you know, we've been to shows where it's 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people but it's also members of the public. So it's going to be nice to be kind of at a show where it's going to be press and industry people uh, only. So it'll uh, really be a nice thing to check that out. Now, Justin, did you have a comment you wanted to make on that before we moved on to our topic? No, I think Michael did a really good job covering that. And um, he's, uh, I've never been to CinemaCon, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he, Michael made a lot of really good points and I think we're going to be kind of at like 50% to normal. And I think next year we'll probably be a little more normal for a lot of these, uh, these different, um, uh, conventions. I am just really curious to know, you know, are they going to drop some kind of bombshell? Because like there's, there's a part of me going, would it be out of the realm of possibility for them to drop a sizzle for Craven the hunter? And then, Disney wasn't going to be a part of it. And then all of a sudden they're there and it's like, what are we going to get there? Are we going to get something from Marvel? Are we going to get something or is it just going to be, Hey folks, we got a really exciting lineup coming and here's the trailer for Lightyear that we released a couple of weeks ago. And then we're going to show you 15. I mean, see, the thing is that's not how they do it. They're not going to come out and say, here's the trailer that's been online. They're likely to say, here's a look, here's like 10 minutes of the film. Here's the intro. We know that there's been some sneaks because essentially uh, Michael, what's the time frame? They're generally promoting films that are coming out in the next, is it calendar year or, year or it, the next 360? Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's usually, so a couple, two points. Um, the first is, yeah, it's usually within the year or two. They they might mention, uh, oh, the, like they would say like, oh, the next Mission Impossible is coming out in 2022 or 2023 or whatever, if they don't have something to show. But they typically won't, um, they will typically show at least some behind-the-scenes stuff. If they don't have an official trailer, like we did get to see some behind-the-scenes stuff of the new Jurassic Park um, a couple a year or two ago before it was there was ever a, a, anything about online about it. Um, the latest Toy Story movie we got before that was released, uh, we got to see the first 20 minutes of that. Again, Top Gun, we saw the first 20 minutes of that last August. So there are always surprises at CinemaCon. I think, again, it's one of the ones that I think they definitely do a really good job at, at providing the surprises. And um, they always tend to show a lot of stuff. Um, one of my favorite ones was when Tom, we were there with Tom Cruise, 
and he went through a 30 minute um, visual discussion about how they do the stunts and the stuff that he does. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. One of the best uh, um, opportunities I've ever had. Um, so there are always going to be surprises. It's, I, I say it every year, it's, it's always my favorite show. I'm disappointed that I don't get to go this year uh, for other reasons, but um, always my favorite show. There's always uh, some pretty exciting things, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if we get you, if they get they show off the first 20 minutes of the new Buzz Lightyear movie. If it is yeah, then. that would be pretty awesome. The trailer they put out today looked really good. Yeah, it now, uh, me at all. Disney is definitely going to be in the mix uh, this next week, as all eyes will turn to. 426. We know that the uh, Alien Colony War novel will be released, and that, of course, is Alien Day. Now, we've talked in the past. They've already announced the Vasquez novel. We've heard about the new movie that's coming. We've heard news about the TV series. Uh, so, surprise today, we've got news that the Predator comic that had been delayed due to, specul well, speculative delay was due to the lawsuit over the rights for Predator. Uh, so, Justin, what do you make of that? And are you expecting anything for Alien Day, or do you think they pretty much made their announcements already? Uh, so we might get a light Alien Day. You know, I, I still think we're kind of seeing what Disney is, um, is willing to uh, commit to the franchise with. So, I, I mean, obviously I'm thankful that they are uh, committing – to the franchise enough that we're, we're getting uh, a lot of content, but I, I don't anticipate alien day, um, e even coming close to, uh, to what, um, uh, uh, may the 4th is, um, you know, you usually on may the 4th, you get some, you know, a trailer or some, some, something big, uh, some big <laughs> announcement or something. Um, but, uh, alien day, you know, the last few years have been, uh, frankly kind of a disappointment now it's kind of understandable you know that they're new to uh the franchise is under new ownership um but uh you know i just think that uh they're not a hundred percent committed to the franchise being like a real big name for them i think you know i think that's that's becoming kind of a kind of clear so i'm anticipating a kind of a light alien day personally um you know, I, I think the, the caliber of announcements we'll see is, you know, uh, probably maybe new comic line. Uh, maybe we'll get to see a little more of this Predator comic. Um, you know, maybe they'll talk about some of the stuff that they're working on as far as, like, the show um, and maybe the movie. But I don't anticipate seeing any trailers or, or anything. Maybe we'll get, like, a poster or something for um, the Predator movie, uh, which I think is probably further along. Um, and coming out sooner um, so we, we might get something there but uh, oh well I mean it's alien day so we probably won't even get anything predator related but uh, you know that that's my that's my my bias of uh, uh, the alien versus predator franchise uh, you know coming through but um, but yeah so I, I don't uh, anticipate a huge amount of uh, news coming out of alien day this year um, but uh, you know I, I might be pleasantly surprised and Michael your take please yeah, I mean, obviously you guys are the expert when it comes to the Alien franchise stuff, but I agree. I mean, I think uh, we've or, we're already kind of surprised that they've made some announcements, you know, with the new novel and the, and the show and and other and you know the other things like that. Not waiting for Alien Day to make those announcements, um, you know, we were kind of surprised that they've they've come out with some of those announcements um, earlier than that. And I do agree that I, I don't know that Disney 
I think Disney understands that the franchise has legs and that it, I think that they think it'll do well um, as a as a streaming series, as a movie. I mean, obviously, there's there's plenty of uh, novelizations and um, comic books and that kind of stuff that they can they can glean from it. But it is certainly not a darling franchise to them, like Marvel, like Star Wars, like um, their animated stuff. And I'm not saying it needs to be or should be, but I think when you look when you took it apart as as a Fox franchise before it was bought out, that was one of the, one of their more known franchises. I mean, frankly, um, I think when um, I think I think Disney, like I said, Disney had said went back to CinemaCon a couple years ago. That they're still committed to the franchise, and I think they are, but I don't think they're going to. They're not putting the the time and effort to make it one of their shining stars. Um, now, would that change if the next movie was a spectacular smash like the first two were? Maybe, um, but but again, I, I I'm not saying that it, it needs to be that, and I'm not saying Disney's not putting any work into it. But I certainly don't think, you know, again, from an Alien Day perspective to what Justin was commenting, yeah, maybe you'll get a poster, maybe we'll get some sort of um, teaser of something that's coming. But I, I just don't see that it being the draw to say, like, May the 4th would be. And to be fair with May the 4th as well, to be frank about that, we've been announcements. You know, one of the things I think that was interesting, and maybe this was was just not something they had considered, or maybe they just didn't want to push it anymore, but it was interesting to me that they released Star Wars, the Lego um, game, on April as opposed to May the 4th, which would have made a lot more a bigger impact, I think. But um, but again, I think um, I, I don't think that we're going to see it uh, be anything spectacular until there's a release in the franchise that gets people talking and a lot more buzz again. And I think when that happens, we might see a lot more... Um, Opportunities for these types of things to be to grow and be a bit more, um, a bit more exciting than probably they've been the past couple of years. And I think you hit it right on the head because, as I told someone, I said, you know, the last couple of years we got all excited. We thought there was going to be stuff, and there really wasn't. And people blamed it on the pandemic. They blamed it on this. And then I started looking around, going, you know, they have a day for Back to the Future. They have a day for. I Terminator, I, you know, obviously you mentioned May 4th, and I think it's a simple case that these studios are saying, you know what, this is something the fans made up, this is something that they're all in on, why should we feel obligated to make this the day that we drop our news and make our announcements? And I said, you know, let's be very frank about the Alien franchise. Take Prometheus out, you can say what you want about it, but it, it did make good box office. The three films before that did not, well, uh, the two before that and the one after that did not light up the box office. So we talked about where is it as a priority. And I think it's a simple case of, oh, yeah, the fans are going to go out there and awareness is going to be there. And some of the manufacturers of toys and stuff and collectibles will say, oh, well, we'll, uh, we'll announce, uh, uh, you know, a new line of collectible alien figures or a new comic line. But I don't think the incentive is there because especially... You know, if you're Comic-Con, you, I mean, uh, if you're Disney, you could sit there and say, why don't we just wait till Comic-Con or the D23 Expo? We've debated whether or not the more mature themes are there. So let's just say, um, you know, CinemaCon, D2, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, that might be when they drop something. And for all, you know, everything we've been told, they haven't even started filming yet. So on either the TV show or the movie. So at this point, it's like, you know, 
They've made all these announcements. It'd be nice if they announced a new video game or something. But, I mean, you look at the timing. The, the new cosmetic updates for Aliens Fireteam Elite dropped the other day. Uh, the book There is a book coming out, but the other books that we all know of have all been announced. So, you know, time to move on and let's just see what happens. Now, another thing that's really got a lot of people's attention, and uh, we'll do this and then end on a positive thing after that, is word came out that Netflix... Uh, it wasn't going to meet their subscriber base. In fact, they actually lost 200,000 subscribers, and they are projecting to lose over 2 million more subscribers, and that they're going to combat this with trying to attack the uh, password sharing, possibly an introduction of a ad-supported subscription program. Well, uh, this caused a massive drop in their stock, which I uh, read today was in the billions of dollars uh, that affected them. And the general consensus is this could be a warning sign to the streaming industry because as we have speculated, you're up against Disney that has all of those franchises. You're up against Warner Brothers. You are up against Universal. You are up against Paramount. And let's not forget the success Apple continues to have with their you know, huge lineup. Um, we talked for years about rumors that, Amazon, uh, that Netflix was heavily borrowing to uh, finance their shows. You know, by contrast, you look at uh, Amazon and they are able to really kind of get around some of the problems that the other companies have because it's all tied in with, you get music, you get the delivery service, you get all this. They're extremely well-funded. They, you know, they go, went out and just bought MGM Studio. So is this a blip in the road or is this a major concern? Justin, your take, please. Uh, so I sort of think a lot of this comes down to the quality of content coming out of Netflix. This is, I mean, this is kind of a personal opinion, but, um, you know, obviously anecdotal, but, uh, I find myself watching less and less Netflix over time. And part, part of this is a function of, you know, Netflix got hit with a series of bad, uh, bad deals bad cards uh, dealt to them in terms of uh they used to have a huge huge um leg up on everyone else uh you know at one point they had all the marvel shows uh at one point they had um you know uh, all this all, all these like you know had lost star, star trek everything everything was on netflix at one point and no one else could 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 barely compete um but over the course of several years, you know, you got some, they got some really bad headlines of different shows pulling out, um, different companies pulling out and starting their own streaming services. And um, the problem is that Netflix hasn't really been able to keep up with the, with the content uh, being, being taken away from them. Um, and I, I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, Stranger Things is great, um, but I'm finding myself uh, watching and interested in uh, fewer and fewer Netflix, um, you know, exclusive shows. So, you know, I'm still a subscriber, but uh, I honestly, I maybe watch Netflix like once a month, maybe. Um, it really depends on what kind of shows on there that I'm interested in. But uh, I just think that, you know, and it's not exactly uh, unique to them. You know, I, I think in general, there has been a, a bit of a drop in, um, you know, the quality of, of, of uh, content coming out, a lot of these different um, streaming services. But, uh, 
but I think Netflix in particular, I think is really struggling to keep up with a lot of the shows that have left, um, their service. So, uh, you know, part of this is just, they were once the, the, the number one, um, service where everyone, you know, everyone had it because everything was there. And part of this is just a, a correction because, uh, you know, a lot of those, those companies pulled out, but I think a function of this as well is that just over time, uh, I think they've sort of made some poor decisions on, on their investments. You know, there's a, um, they ha sort of have a reputation of green lighting just about anything and then not, not really, uh, committing to the, to the show. So, you know, even this Cowboy Bebop show that came out recently, uh, on Netflix, uh, only lasted one season. Uh, there's, there's plenty of examples of shows where they'll, they'll spend a lot of money on one season. It doesn't quite meet the numbers that they're, they're looking for. And then it's, uh, you know, it's on to the next one. It's kind of a mentality of, uh, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And, uh, I just don't think it's been really working for them. Yeah, that's some great points, you know, and, and then you, you, as I have always said, one of the biggest problems they're having right now is that they have to uh, create their own content because basically they're, uh, aside from that, they're having to license foreign projects uh, to, you know, get things on the air. And that really limits what they basically have available to them. And you mentioned Cowboy Bebop, which, you know, if ever was a show that I think over time would have potentially gathered an audience. And I read this thing saying one of the biggest problems with streaming is that the mentality is that by the, uh, trying to think, it was J. Michael Straczynski, creator of Babylon 5, said this. He said that the belief of streaming is that by the second and third season, the audience is maxed out. It will not go up from there. So therefore, the argument is, why should we continue to put money into a show when we cannot increase the base from here? Let's go off and find something else. And that's how they go off trying to find Squid Game. Whereas on television, where they have the advertisement and stuff, they can say to them, hey, look, this is what our audience is. We're expecting to hold that or maybe grow it or even dip it. And you could say, if this is our audience and we can maintain this for three to five years, we've got our ad revenue, we're good. Netflix kind of looks at it and says, okay, we stopped growing, time to move on. And that is apparently, you know, and I've talked to so many people about this and they said, you know, I heard one the other day and it, it was an interesting point. And he said, they announced Glow is coming back for a final season. They actually started filming the episodes and then they shut it all down and throw it away. But yet they quickly review Emily in Paris. Now, I understand they're two different shows. I actually have enjoyed both of them. But bottom line, if you came to me and said, do I want another season of Emily in Paris or do I want them to finish Glow? It would without a, a doubt be they need to finish Glow. And just so many people, I've, I've had people tell me today, the moment the last set of Ozark uh, episodes are out, I'm done. I'm going to step away for a while. Maybe, you know, when Squid Game season two comes. Uh, but they their, their whole argument was this having to pay extra for 4K was just a real... They're dot, and then the recent price increase. Uh, Michael, what do you think? So I think you guys made a lot of good points, and I, I think obviously competition's won. I think when Netflix was the only game in town, I mean, remember it used to be Netflix was for movies, 
and and new 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 shows and Hulu was for TV shows, right? Um, there were no other real streaming services that competed with them, um, you know. And the other ones were starting to get off the ground. Remember, we talked about Paramount Plus when it first came out was really light on anything they had, um, or whatever it was called at the time, Universal or whatever it was. I forget, but um, uh, there were a lot of um, some of the some of these things take time to to grow. And I think where Netflix suffers is that now all of the major networks, for the most part, have their own streaming services. So now Netflix has to rely strictly on their own IP or pay their licensing fees, as you mentioned, to another company um, or another another um, production company to get some of that IP to be able to show off um, new content. And now that Disney's in the game, Paramount's in the game, um, Obviously, Showtime, Epics, HBO—they all have their own streaming services now. Uh, NBC even has their own. Um, now, all of a sudden, you're talking about Netflix is, is kind of forced to come up with their own stuff. And and to, to the, the Cowboy Bebop stuff—I'm not a huge anime guy. Um, wasn't into this into the cartoon, um, any of that stuff. I didn't dislike the show. I saw the first couple episodes. I thought it was. Fine for, I mean, I'm not the target audience, obviously, um, but I do think that that personally, that I think they overreacted when they canceled that show. And, and again, I understand there's a lot of uproar because the anime fan base is huge, and I understand they are very particular about how things are done. Um, I can appreciate that, um, but at the same time, I, I, I think if you're going to go out on some of these IPs, you have to give them a chance to grow, and I don't think. Um, one season gives that opportunity for a lot of these things. Uh, but again, Netflix um, is going to struggle as more of these um, uh, larger studios start growing. I mean, they're a streaming service. And every, I mean, if we're almost there already, and if, if we're not there very soon, we are going to be at a point where pretty much everything, every major uh, movie studio, every major um, news group, every major a production company is going to have their own streaming service. Obviously, they're not all going to survive. So we are going to see some of these um, lose steam and, and maybe um, drop or they'll consolidate with another one. But again, Netflix doesn't have, again, they relied on a lot of stuff like Marvel and, and other um, uh, Universal and Paramount and other IPs to deliver some of these shows that now that these other streaming companies are getting bigger, they're like, we don't need you anymore. We've got our own stuff now. Um, so again, I, I think it's unfortunate for Netflix. I, I still enjoy their content. I still think they do well, uh, but it's, it's like anything else. I mean, we can, we can tie them to any other um, franchise in history, right? We can go back all the way to Atari and how Atari had the corner market on the video game industry. And then after some, questionable business decisions they and the, the rise of other companies, Nintendo, Sega in particular, um, all of a sudden Atari became, it went from being a juggernaut to being practically nothing. And I think Netflix is headed that direction too. That's not to say that they're not going to be able to turn things around, but I think for Netflix to be able to compete now with the other ones, they have to put a lot more money into it and they can't afford things to not succeed. Uh, and again, I think um, all the licensing they're going to have to do now because everybody else has their own streaming services. I know all of that has become a lot more expensive for them, and, and certainly that's going to cause problems in the future. Yeah, they need a they need a new franchise. I mean, 
you know, we, they do. I mean, they've you, got Stranger Things, which is has been going strong. But again, the problem with those types of franchises, particularly when there's kids involved, is age. Right? They yeah. age out. Um, the show kind of loses some of its magic when the kids are no longer in junior high and they're now in college. Right? So, if they're and look at the now, gap between seasons. Yeah, they're going to need to start. Um, coming up with something else that's their next big franchise hit. Because I was thinking about that, and I, you know, obviously I may be missing things, but other than Stranger Things, which I think most people agree that might have one more season left in it, Ozark's winding down. That's been a big, it's been a big hit for them, and I, I'm sure I'm going to miss things, and there'll be people saying this and that, but I'm talking about the stuff that gets people talking. Outside of Squid Game, you know, they're looking for something new, and the creators have already come out and said, uh, don't expect it necessarily to be there next year. It might be a couple of years until the next season of Squid Game, uh, you know, makes its way out. And that would be very unfortunate. But, you know, this is the interesting thing. This is uh, why there are so many creative people in the game. And, you know, hopefully they will right the ship and get something because otherwise they run the risk. Of, I mean, there's always the possibility that they could try to sell off some of their franchises that they're no longer actively producing to someone else but you know you kind of wonder if that was going to happen why that wouldn't have done so already so ending things on a positive last uh earlier this week we got the big news that uh star wars fans were really excited about and that is that a new star wars game is coming out from amy henning who was the writer producer behind the uncharted games who was working on a solo Star Wars game for EA that got shelved uh, allegedly due to the fact that it didn't have a multiplayer function and the powers that be felt there wasn't the opportunity to monetize and microtransaction it. So, uh, Justin, you start us off. Do you think this is that same game with just a few tweaks? Is it a whole new game or dare we even hope Star Wars 1313 is coming back? <laughs> uh, it's It's hard to say. I don't think it's the same game um that would be a little odd to me uh that they would cancel a game and then bring it back i mean unless they you know got a new pitch for it that uh you know kind of what what happens sometimes um i you know i've seen different documentaries on you know uh, uh how, how different games were developed and what what does happen sometimes in the industry is um uh, there might be an idea for a game that kind of had some legs, got got kind of far along in either develop or pre-production or, or development, and then sort of fell apart. And then the, the idea kind of um, eventually morphed and evolved and became something that actually came out. And I think that could happen, that this could be, you know, related, um, uh, like a, a resurrection, I guess, of, of an idea that uh, maybe she worked on before. Uh, or yeah, thirteen thirteen. I I doubt it's going to be thirteen thirteen, but you could maybe see, um, you know, because it it had so much uh, anticipation behind it, you could uh, maybe see something that is uh, very inspired by thirteen thirteen. That maybe you know that the core idea that that what that was supposed to be could uh, basically morph into what whatever this is, and you can kind of see like. Um, some of the the original ideas kind of manifesting themselves in, into whatever she's working on so I, I think it's hard to say until we actually see it but 
you know, based on her involvement, uh, we kind of, I think we have some idea as to what to expect. Um, so, which is exciting, you know, I, I think she, she obviously has a really good, um, eye for story quality. Um, she's a good writer and, uh, which means that we're probably going to get a pretty story heavy adventure game, which I think, uh, uh, as far as, you know, Star Wars definitely, uh, definitely fits. And Michael, your take. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, anytime there's a new Star Wars IP um, and franchise, uh, to Justin's point, I, I, I don't know. I think this is going to be um, something new, uh, but I, I, you know, but still, I'm excited. I think, I think overall, I think they've been doing a little bit better with that franchise from a gaming perspective, and I'm looking forward to what they can do with it. So, no, I, I think this is all good news. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see, uh, you know, when we hear anything about it. I mean, traditionally, something like this that was announced now, uh, but without a title, a lot of details. So you kind of wonder if this was a leak that got out or if this was simply just we're going to talk about it now to build hype. Let's not forget we have that other Star Wars game announced. And then we were promptly told, hey, this thing's still years away from happening. Um yeah, you, you do have to wonder. I mean, this this is funny because, as we talked about earlier, in the changing world, this would be right about the time that we'd get the announcement, and then it'd be, you'll get your first look at it at E3. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, but it'll be very interesting to keep an eye on that. And that is going to do it for us this week, folks. Everybody out there, be safe, take care, and we'll talk to you next week.